Hey everyone, this is Nate Ratner from the SeatGeek team, filling in for your regular host, Will Flaherty, on this episode. We've got something special going on this week. It's a two-part episode with two great conversations around one topic, the future of the sports stadium. First, we had the opportunity to chat with Brian Marakian, who is a principal with Populous. Populous is an architecture and design firm dedicated to creating environments that draw people and communities together and is known for building some of the most famous sports venues in the world, places such as Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium, T-Mobile Arena, Heinz Field, and dozens of other professional and collegiate stadiums and arenas. Brian is an award-winning designer, speaker, and author, and he's a fan engagement expert who had really interesting insight on how the physical spaces in which we watch live sporting events can impact our experiences as fans and how these spaces are adapting to better serve the fan of the future. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Happy happy to speak with you today as well. Sure. As an introduction for listeners who aren't familiar with Populous and your work, uh, I'd love to just get a little bit of background from you on some of the work that you guys have done. I know it touches on a lot of stadiums and arenas that sports fans may be familiar with. Sure. So, yeah, Populous is a is a global design practice, and and we have offices all over the world. Um, here in North America, we have our headquarters in Kansas City. We also have an office in um, New York, uh, Boston, and uh, San Francisco. So. We're kind of touching uh, sports and entertainment projects all across um, the globe. And, um, yeah, our practice began 33 years ago. One of the, one of our um, projects that really put us on the map was Camden Yards in, um, in Baltimore, which was really transformative in, in, you know, in, in major league ballpark design. And since then we've gone on and done uh, 33, I'm sorry, 31 of the last 33 major league ballparks. But, you know, we are heavily involved in the NFL, um, um, in the arena world. Um, one of the projects I was privileged to be involved with uh, from a design perspective was T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, who's been in the news lately because of the new um, NHL franchise that's going to be going there. But, uh, yeah, we're also doing Milwaukee, uh, the new Milwaukee Arena. So we're heavily involved with the NBA um, and a lot of work in the, in the collegiate uh, realm, a lot of um, you know, training facility work and, and new, um, you know, new stadiums and arenas in, in collegiate world. And so we're, we're touching um, a lot uh, from a sports perspective, but, but delving into a lot of um, new territories um, in, in entertainment, hospitality and uh, technology. So it's a very um, exciting point in time for our practice. And, you know, what we're always um, focused on is just creating, you know, memorable experiences and, and buildings that, that ultimately shape the future of cities and, uh, and, and ultimately are, are great places that, that people, you know, want to go to and congregate in and, um, and take away great memories from. It's, uh, as I mentioned, you know, just a very exciting time, um, in our industry because there's so many different, uh, factors that are sort of converging together between architecture, technology, and, and experience. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely sounds like a really wide breadth of experience, both within the sports world and, and it sounds like beyond as well. I know you mentioned you know, Camden Yards as, as one of the first stadiums that Populous worked on and T-Mobile, which definitely has had a ton of press in the last couple months, uh, just opening in Vegas. At a high level, what are some of the biggest differences that you've seen in, in sort of the way stadiums and arenas are designed um, from you know, maybe a few decades ago to now in, in 2016? Yeah, I, I think that 
I think that one of the, the, the primary differences in the way that we design um, now and the way that we envision the future uh, for, you know, for future venues that are on the horizon uh, compared to the way that we may have designed 10, 20 years ago, um, it's all, it's all related to, you know, shifting behavioral patterns um, of, of, of people, you know, going to these venues. And, you know, we always talk about a human-centered experience. So it always starts uh, for us with, with inherently what do people want from, from, you know, a stadium environment that they're going to. Um, what we've seen, uh, really, really rapidly sort of proliferate and, and, and change, um, from a, an experience standpoint is, is the influence that technology has had, specifically in-home technology and mobile technology. And, what you have now is an environment where the the in-home broadcast is so powerful um and and you know professional leagues have invested so much from an in in-home broadcast perspective whether it be you know just um the broadcast itself um the different media streams that the broadcast is available from now you know virtual reality is coming into the equation and you have such a powerful ability to sort of watch um, the watch the um, the broadcast from so many different forms, whether it's you know on your mobile device or in home off off of a seventy inch you know LCD, that you know we're we're constantly trying to create a more powerful in venue experience is going to draw people out of out of their home. Um, what you also have, what you also have, is the way that people um, are. Are watching the, the the event is just entirely different. Um, you know, people are on their mobile device. They want to be connected into a broader sort of um, conversation while while the event is is ongoing. Um, they want to be connected to the second screen. They want to be able to tweet. They want to be connected to different social streams. They want to be able to have access to statistical information. And so, really, what we see is a fundamentally um, different sort of way in which people in the past would go to a venue to spectate. And what happens now is they go to a venue because they want to participate. And that's that's a really, really, really um, fundamental sort of change um, in the way that we design. Because you know, when Camden Yards was coming online um, in the early 90s, you know, it was fundamentally all about the in-seat experience. It's all about, you know, 40,000 seats. Now the buildings um, have evolved to a point where it's less physical sort of traditional seats and more places for, you know, social congregation, places for people to be tapped into, into different media streams, people to, you know, have the ability to um, have access to, to obviously Wi-Fi. Um, there's different, you know, hospitality experiences. There's just so many more experiential elements to these buildings that go so far beyond just the, just the static, um, in-seat experience. And I think that that's what you'll continue to see as we move forward in the future. Um, the venues will probably in, in many senses continue to sort of, um, uh, shrink from a capacity standpoint, you'll still have a critical mass that you're, that, that you're always going to want to to achieve. But you'll you'll have less physical seats and more social spaces and more and more opportunities to sort of tap into technology, um, which which makes it you know just a, a completely different type of environment. Really, really interesting. You know, it sounds like 
some of these things that may be seen as distracting from the live event experience or may keep people you know, wanting to stay at home. You mentioned you know, NFL Red Zone or virtual reality that's been in the news a lot recently. Uh, it sounds like you know, as far as stadium design goes, there might actually be sort of a melding of that into, into the live event experience in, in some ways and taking some of those things that people love so much about watching the game at home or their second screen experience and building that into the experience that they can have at the stadium or at the arena while, while the team is playing. Yeah, I, I really believe at, at the end of the day, um, what happens with, you know, the real, the real sort of benefit, um, from my perspective and, and from a league ownership perspective, technology is what you're doing is you're, you're, you're extending the popularity of the sport and you're creating more fan culture. You're creating more fans, not only, you know, locally, but, but around the world. What happens is that, you know, when, when an event occurs, Everyone watches it together simultaneously in a community and you want, and it's being, it's, it's amazing to see actually like you see like Twitter activity, like as monumental or pivotal events happen during an event, you see how, you know, Twitter activity explodes basically at all reaches of the world. And so because of the ability to sort of broadcast, um, the, the event to be able to sort of broadcast it everywhere, um, you're creating a really powerful fan culture. And so while you have people that in many instances will, will be in remote locations, you're also creating much more excitement around the interview experience. And so people are traveling to those, those places. And, um, and then when they're there together, there's really nothing that can, that can ever really supplant being together with 50, 60,000 people and sharing that experience together, you know, virtual reality, fantastic and i think there's a lot of you know amazing sort of avenues of virtual reality will go down but it's 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 really really going to be hard i think to to ever capture what that experience is like to be in that in that venue together with with people um i think like you said um i i i firmly firmly believe as well that you're you're just going to create a more richer dynamic experience with when you have the ability to infuse you know future technologies into the building itself so um, it's evolving, it's adapting, but um, I think you know uh, from our from our perspective and from you know collaborative work with with people that focus on technology, there will continue to be the ability to to not only have you know, the physical in seat in venue experience that's then augmented through through technology as well that really makes you know something I, I believe it's going to be you know amazingly powerful moving forward. Sure. And, and totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, the, the live event experience is, is something that is just sort of impossible to replace to an extent, but, uh, really interesting to hear your thoughts on technology being able to supplement that and, and make it, you know, an even, even greater than, than it already is. I know you mentioned working with teams and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about sort of the process prior to, you know, diving into a, a building project. Um, would love to hear a little bit about what goes into sort of deciding, Based on a, a unique individual location, um, you know, T-Mobile, for example, in Las Vegas, uh, you know, how much work goes into working with teams, working with brands and all, all the stakeholders that are involved uh, and deciding sort of what the feel for an arena is? Are you talking specifically about the design itself or sort of the comprehensive sort of strategy behind what, what, what the client is trying to achieve, not only from an architecture standpoint, but from a technology standpoint? strategy um just because you know something that might be 
unique to Las Vegas might, you know, might not be something that's appropriate for New York or, or Milwaukee or something like that. Sure. I think I saw T-Mobile has these kind of nightclub-esque areas of the, of the arena, which is very Las Vegas, but maybe that wouldn't be appropriate for, uh, for the Bucks. Yeah. No, I think, I think everything is market driven first and foremost. So everything is, is authentic to the place. Um, but it's, but it's also, you know, driven by the market. And, and so, you know, the Las Vegas market is inherently different than Milwaukee or, you know, New York, as you mentioned, or Los Angeles um, or Miami. And, and so what we do on the front end is, you know, we, we, we're, we'll work with the client to, um, you know, to understand, um, their aspirational goals. Um, and, and, you know, programmatically the, the type of building that they envision. And so that's a very, that's a very, you know, deep dive, um, investigative process on, on the front end with the client. But then, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time with, you know, understanding the market study. So there's a lot of market analysis that happens on the front end as well. So we have a very good understanding of who, who their target is. Who is their audience? You know, what is their audience's household income? What's their age demographics? You know, who's visiting the building? What do they want? What type of premium products do they want? What kind of seating products do they want? Um, you know, we, we understand a lot of that from the data on the front end, which helps inform our design decisions. And in the case of Las Vegas, what made that project very interesting and very complex and challenging in a lot of ways is trying to design, you know, an entertainment venue in the world's epicenter of entertainment venues, right? And so how do you create something, how do you create a powerful design that is introducing unique elements into the marketplace that have never been seen before and have never been done before? And yeah, you mentioned the Tower Club. That's a really good, good example of a place where we did, where we pushed, we pushed innovation and we proposed, you know, in the very early stages, really some, some new, new ideas that were, um, you know, pretty transformative. And in that case, we looked at, um, you know, a couple of areas in the building that traditionally are, are not extremely valuable, um, in the corners of the upper deck. And we said, well, let's make that a valuable proposition and let's, let's cater this towards this next generation visitor consumer that's going to be coming into the, the building. And, and so that's where the genesis of the idea around the tower clubs really came about, you know, let's, Let's create something really powerful from a visual perspective that you see within the bowl. Let's create a place for people to socially migrate. Let's really create a dynamic sort of experience where you're looking over a, a ledge or a vantage point that projects out or in the upper deck. And then we extended a kind of a bridge between the two that we always imagined as being a nightclub experience. And, you know, what's more Las Vegas than, you know, nightlife and so eventually with the client brought aboard, um, uh, Hyde, um, the nightclub um, provider. And we worked with Stella Artois as well for, uh, for the tower clubs as well for each side. So at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a real process of, of like, you know, trying to discover, you know, new opportunities, new places of value. You know, you work with, with, with the client to understand their objectives. So you understand, you know, the market, as I, as I, as I said, you understand the people that are going to be visiting the building. And then you really push and drive innovation around that, which, which ultimately, you know, results in, in, you know, success of a, of a project. But each one is, is entirely different. Um, and, Every story is different. Every market's different. And so it's that, that upfront exercise that really, really sets the stage, you know, for the success of the project. 
Yeah, sure thing. It sounds like there's you know probably just as much work up front, uh, obviously as there is then you know actually going through the the construction of of the buildings. Curious, you know, thinking about the landscape, sport by sport or maybe league by league, are there sports or, or leagues that come to mind as, you know, wanting to do some of the most interesting or, or innovative work in stadium and arena design? You know, I think that um, I think all the major leagues are, are really are really pushing the boundaries um, of, of innovation and, and also really pushing the boundaries of, of fan engagement. Um, you know. I think that the NFL, their ability to sort of create a brand and create culture around uh, around the experience is second to none. Um, in terms of what they do in venue, but also through the experience they've created with the Super Bowl and in all the peripheral elements around the Super Bowl, it's pretty hard to top. I mean, the NFL is 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 so innovative in the way that that they um, have been able to sort of build this this brand that has such a global reach now um but also popularity here in the United States and it's it's the things that they've adopted um and they they they've embraced like um like fantasy football for instance and the way that they've created now a culture where people are not just you know rooting for their home team they're rooting for every franchise basically on a Sunday afternoon because they have a vested interest in in players you know, that are, that are all across the spectrum. And, and so it, it, it isn't, you know, it isn't, you know, three hours on a Sunday. It's an all day event. It's brilliant the way that they've, they've, they've built this culture and extends in, it extends into the, into their, into the stadium design as well. You know, Major League Baseball has done a tremendous job, I believe, with, um, with BAM, um, MLB at bat, you know, and sort of their, their in venue, um, uh, mobile platform that they've, that they have adopted and innovated around the things that they're doing with like the iBeacon technology and the way in which, you know, it's becoming a really great sort of way for fans to sort of be able to, you know, have their ticketing and then every sort of element of like, you know, wayfinding and, and commerce, you know, all built into an app. Not, you know, not to mention, of course, everything they're doing just with the statistical aspect of the game and sort of the broadcast of it. They've done a really good job, I think, of, of adopting that and, and sort of weaving that into the, into, into their venues as well, too. So I think Major League Baseball has done an excellent job with that. I think one of the things the NBA has done a really great job at is is jumping on board the the VR experience. Um, you know, they were one of the first to to start broadcasting in virtual reality. And it goes to my you know you know broader statement earlier. For the NBA's perspective, it, it's just as important to capture the attention of you know a 13 year old kid in New York City as it is you know a 13 year old in, in Beijing, China. Virtual reality is going to be able to do that. And, and so being able to, to be able to, you know, broadcast in virtual reality and put somebody that their entire lifetime is never going to be able to step foot inside of Madison Square Garden or Staples Center or T-Mobile Arena to watch an event, but they can watch it through virtual reality at home, um, is, is, is tremendously exciting. And I think is, 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 is really great, um, you know, um, next step for, for these leagues. So I think all, all three of the, of the leagues, the major leagues, you know, the NHL is part of that equation as well. I think they're all really innovating right now and thinking about not only what is the next generation of, of, of the venue, what is the next generation from a fan engagement standpoint as well? 
Sure, definitely. It sounds like some really, really interesting ways to kind of extend that in-game experience beyond the physical space, like you were saying. And one thing you mentioned, uh, particularly around the most recent Super Bowl, were apps. And, you know, it's, it's no secret, obviously, that people are on their phones during games. As far as these sort of digital experiences go, are those things that you are keeping in mind when you design and, you know, making space for that to be part of the experience? Or do you see that more as sort of a layer that's built on top of the physical experience of a game? I think we're always looking uh, for ways to to have it be seamlessly interwoven. I always find that the, the best you know design solutions, uh, you know, from a stadium architecture standpoint, happen when when we can collaborate um, up front, um, you know, from a from a digital uh, perspective as well. The reality is, uh, many occasions, you know, it is sort of layered um, on after you know many of the ideas have been developed, you know, from an architectural, you know, environmental standpoint. But um, I think moving forward, um, because of the reality of, of, you know, the world's kind of converging together and converging together really rapidly, there's going to be more and more upfront collaboration where the digital platform is being conceptualized at the same time, really, that, that the architectural environmental um, design is being conceptualized. And I really believe that's that's really where the, the most powerful you know opportunity really stems from, because you know you have to be able to to think about the kind of reactive um, nature from a technology perspective. You have to be able to think about you know what inherently does does a fan want from that experience, technologically, architecturally, experientially, um, you know, from a hospitality perspective. There's so many things that you have to be imagining um, all simultaneously, um, and it really, it really, you know, I think the most powerful results at the end of the day um, stem from from doing that all together at the same time, as opposed to sort of segmenting it and fracturing it out, you know, at, at many points down the line. Yep. Thanks for sharing that. Wondering. You know, a lot of things we've sort of spoken about have been, you know, features that, that fans interact with and, and fans engage with. I'm wondering how much thought goes into some of the features that fans don't see, but that might affect the players or members of the media or people that, that work at the facilities. Um, you know, things like locker rooms, training facilities, press boxes. How do you take those features of a stadium or arena into account as part of the building as a whole? That's a great question. I mean, um, the reality is, you know, within a within you know any one of our facilities, if you were to look at it from percentage perspective, you probably have fifty percent of, of your building that's that's not going to be accessed by by the public. And so, when you look at the, the service level, for instance, of, of one of our projects, whether it's you know the Major League Baseball Stadium or like a, a professional arena, you have so many components. They comprise just that single level alone, you know, from the green rooms for the talent to, as you mentioned, the locker rooms and, you know, the, the, the sort of service docks and, you know, the, the staging areas and, and, you know, you know, security, um, areas and, um, you know, I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but the, the real fundamental drivers really to the success of these buildings because you have to nail that uh, from a, from an operational standpoint for it to, to be successful um, and to be able to have, you know, entertainment and have, you know, the sports teams um, be able to, to, you know, facilitate their functions first and foremost. 
it's a real sort of balance between kind of the, the science, you know, behind these buildings, the way that you sort of organiza- organizationally, you know, aggregate all these things together. Um, all these things um, that the, the, the common fan is never going to see, but it's super, super critical to the success of, of these buildings and the ongoing ability for them to, to, to function and perform properly. You know, the locker room design is, is something that, that is really fascinating just for the comfort, you know, of the players. But we're, we're now doing a lot of really exciting things just in locker room design from introducing pretty sophisticated media, um, in those zones. Um, there's a lot of like sports science that's connected to those, to those locker rooms. Um, there's a lot of data and analytics that happens, you know, just, you know, during periods and half times and stuff like that where you have, you know, you know, the team that's, 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 um, you know, that's in the space and they're, they're preparing, um, in a different way. Um, in the collegiate world, they're becoming huge, huge drivers from a recruiting standpoint. So, you know, there, there's, there's a ton of things that, that, um, you know, the common fan doesn't have access to, but, you know, as I said, they're, they're super important from a design perspective and huge from a training perspective on the sports side and, and also from a recruiting standpoint as well. Sure. Absolutely. Things that, that may not be interacted with from, from a fan's perspective, like you said, but that definitely contribute to just making sure the experience is seamless and that the product on the, on the court or on the field is top notch. Brian, th- thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a super interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. You're absolutely welcome. It's a real pleasure to to join you. That was Brian Marakian, principal with design and architecture firm Populous. Thanks for listening to this episode of the On Deck podcast. As a reminder, this was part one of a two-part series this week. Keep an eye out for part two of our Future of the Stadium series tomorrow, which will focus on a digital approach to increasing fan engagement at live sporting events. Until then, if you enjoyed the show, Please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think.